Log Talk Radio. job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lequa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language. Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Marquis El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining me now is Adam Jividan, host of uh, Jibby's Den. Uh, check them out on the Balance Sports. I don't even know what. <clears throat> the BalanceSportsCast.com. There we go. Uh, check, check his work out there. Also, our college football co-pilot and uh, – Super duper Buckeyes fan, super duper duper Cavs fan, super Guardians fan, super Browns fan. Really, if it's Northern Ohio, Central Northern Ohio, he's your guy. Adam Jividen, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. Cavs keep rolling. Buckeyes will curb stomp Northwestern today. You know, all is well. Yeah. Not a lot to talk about on the Ohio State front. But we do gain an hour. We do gain an hour. So maybe, you know, we, we, we've got a little extra time to – do you do you really I, – I, I see everybody in our government 
getting all worked up over this daylight savings time. I mean, what's your, what's your take? I, 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 I love hate. I hate it in the spring and love it in the fall. What, what's your, what's your take on uh, daylight savings time? I mean, it's like the whole, like, I, I know I'm not going to sleep for an hour. All that means is I'm going to be waking up and the clock will be earlier. I guess tomorrow I'll have more time to chill out before church. I don't know. <laughs> so here, here's the thing. We have three dogs. I mean, they have their clock. Of course, Melissa in the real world is a, is a school teacher, and so she has to get up. So we have to take care of that early. So they got in the habit many years ago. Hey, I don't care if you're sleeping or not. I got to pee at 5.30 in the morning, like clockwork, 5.30 in the morning. And they and they uh, wake up and they're ready to go. So what does that mean for me? At 4.30 in the morning, I'm getting up with these dang dogs. Of course, I am going back to bed. I have to admit. I, I do go back. I, I, I take them out. We feed them and go back to sleep. But, you know, I don't know. But, you know, growing up down in southern Indiana, where I grew up at, which is actually, this is weird, this is kind of the weird part of, because of, we're a national show, Indiana has two different time zones, and it's not a super big state, and it has two separate time zones. So, yeah, down south, where I grew up, was central, the central time zone, and we're, we're on the eastern time zone. But the closer you get up to, like, Terre Haute and that area, those that don't know, the, the southwestern part of the state as you get a little bit further north, you go into uh, Central Time. It's closer to Terre Haute. Terre Haute's on e- Eastern Time. But there are schools, I kid you not, that uh, k- kids, and I, I remember, I knew people across the street was on Central Zone, and the, on the other side, it was, it was Eastern Time Zone. And then Eastern all the way up, you get close to Chicago, and it goes back to Central Time. I don't know. I think there's a lot well, more I, stuff I remember, that we can do. I remember growing up in, in northern Indiana when we didn't change our time. And so for half the year, mm. when everybody else did, we didn't. You had half the year on Eastern time and half the year on Central time. That was even worse. <laughs> well, well, we can debate that. I, I, I guess I, I was seeing it on the, on the news this morning that, that this is something that the Senate's taken up and the Congress has taken up. I'm just thinking – it's not that big of a I thing, think guys. Like bigger tackle than daylight saving time. I don't know. Maybe I would think me. so. It's in the political show, but I would think so. Well, hey, let's uh, talk about your team up north, and it's not the other team from up north. That well, it is, but it's not. You know, and I, and we talked about this yesterday via Texas time. Michigan State suspended several other players following a brawl in the you know after the Michigan game. It, Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker announced the suspension of four players who were involved in roughing up a Michigan player uh, following the end of, of their game over, over the weekend, and that was last Saturday. Um, and, and all of this came out on last Sunday. Um, so, it, it, you know, I, I guess I don't understand. I get, I get trash talk. I mean, what sport doesn't have trash talk? What I don't understand is the purpose of it. I mean, the, not the purpose of the trash talk, but what's the purpose of, all right, we're going to blows over this? Come on. And I guess the where I've never understood this, and not we're just using this as a, as a point of conversation, 
if you're not in, you know, there are times you got to put put up and put up or shut up. Okay, I get it. All right, you know, I'm not gonna start fights, but hey, I'm not gonna walk away from one. So if some, I'm, I'm old enough now to realize that, hey, it's not gonna happen. But these are young kids. Okay, so kids will be kids or whatever. College students, college students will be college students. But where this got out of control, instead of two people settling their difference, trash talking, or even if there was a punch thrown. I mean, this wasn't like they. This was they were they were using their their helmets as weapons and everything. And, and there there were Michigan State players running out of the locker room to get in this fight and beat up this dude. I don't understand it. And I totally agree with Jim Harbaugh saying, "Hey, we've got to get some arrests made." And and there's charges possibly pending for these guys, especially the ones that you, that did you see the, the there's different views of it now. Barstool has one up. And uh, I know I shared one with you, but they're using their helmets as a weapon. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox, and then we'll let you get on yours for a minute, and then we'll get on to the games of the week. But this was total BS. didn't have to happen. And, and then now, here's what we're going to talk about. The, the Kids, we can't be in the tunnel at the same time. Let's build, we're going to build a different tunnel. That's, how, that's, that's what's going to happen. Go ahead, Adam. I give you the floor. All right, so a couple things. Jim Harbaugh is the biggest hypocrite in the world because – I'm not defending what Michigan State players did, but and I will use their name. The Michigan Wolverine player was waiting in the tunnel for the Michigan State players. Get your butt to the locker room, you moron. Like, and, and I don't want to, like, victim blame or anything here, but this is also the third incident that Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines have had in the tunnel in two years. This is a culture problem with both schools. Mel Tucker, mm. they won. They have, they have been – I would say it's less of a culture problem for them. They're having a very frustrating season. And, you know, they, they had a great year last year, and this year it hasn't gone their way. Okay, you still have to, like, man up, and you can't, like, beat people up because you can't win a football game. But at the same time – like, people forget there was a tunnel issue with James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh three mm-hmm. weeks ago or four weeks mm-hmm. ago. This is a Jim Harbaugh culture problem where and, – and I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm biased as an Ohio State fan. Ohio State fans thoroughly believe there is a culture of in, – in Ann Arbor and has been for years of intimidation – on the field, in, in antics. Like, there was, a, there was a year. I can't remember the year. Um, if there's an Ohio State fan that listens and you want to throw something on my post where it remind me of the year. Uh, during the opening kickoff, the, the, the Michigan kickoff team surrounded Dontre Wilson, our kick returner that year, in a circle like they were going to basically beat him up like it was a schoolyard until our offensive tackle, Marcus Hall, ran off the bench and cleared dudes out, and then he was the only one that got expelled from the games. It was ludicrous, and it was fantastic because he gave, like, the double bird to Ann Arbor. It was, it, was fit. it was awesome. But that's the kind of crap that happens with that school all the freaking time. And I'm tired of the national narrative being like, oh, poor Michigan, what did they ever do? No, he was waiting in the tunnel for the Michigan State players to get there to continue to talk trash. So, A – Lose well, but also win with class. You just absolute d bags that live up in Ann Arbor. 
If you win, win with class. But they don't know how to do that because their coach is a classless prick. That's it. <laughs> All right, drop Mike. Well, here's you know, and we can we can certainly talk about this controversy, but at at the same time, at the same time, I'm going to just kind of play the devil's advocate here. Even if you have a couple guys in the tunnel waiting to continue the trash talk, that does not warrant uh, a fist being blown. Then, if that does happen, let the two guys fight it out, be done with it. The fact that I really got concerned about and thought was stupid, there were kids already in the locker room, already in the locker room, come running out, no shirt on, come running out, Swinging their helmets and beating this guy up with their helmets. That's where that's where they need to get oh, arrested. I, again, it, I'm not I'm not saying that what the Michigan State players did was right, but the incident mm. would never have happened if the Michigan player would have just been where he was supposed to be. That's my point. Is at what point does Jim Harbaugh take responsibility for that as well? Yeah, that's I agree. Yeah, we've got to get to some of these games, but we'll get through it. Ohio State, not a lot to talk about today. They're going to get 80 points. They're going to they're going to kick some arse. Uh, you got anything to talk about with Ohio State? Northwestern? No, I mean Ohio State has got a, a lot of injuries. That's our that's our thing. We've got three weeks where we go Northwestern, IU, Maryland before the game that matters. Um, let's just get healthy. Today's going to be rainy. Run the ball a lot. Get. Uh, Get C.J. Stroud some touchdowns. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking it would be something like yeah. a 52 to 52 to like seven or 52 to 10, something like that. It's just the spread. Yeah, the spread it's, is it's, like 38. It's yeah, it's gonna be. It'll be over quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, Georgia Tennessee. This is a uh, two big games in the SEC. Um, Let's talk about. Let's start with 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 uh, Tennessee and Georgia. This should be a good matchup, and you know Tennessee continues to roll on. What are your thoughts? You know they do, and and obviously you know the rankings came out. If anybody would have told you when the first playoff rankings appeared that Tennessee would be ranked number one, I think nobody would have believed <laughs> you. Um, but you know, again, this is a big test for. In my opinion, it's a, less a big test for Tennessee. It's more a big test for Georgia. Georgia really hasn't played anybody except for Oregon in week one. And we know that week one teams in week, what are we on now, nine, look very, very different. Oregon had a ton of transfers. It was their first chance to kind of, you know, be on the field together, frankly. Um, and, and, and for Oregon in that particular game, they were in it, but they just kept making boneheaded turnovers, and they even admitted a lot of those turnovers are because they just they didn't have playing time together. Bo Nix thought a receiver was going to go one direction, the receiver went a different direction, and things like that that happened in week one. And so Georgia just got rolling and, and, and just cranked it up. <laughs> Tennessee obviously won the massive game, biggest game of the year so far, against Alabama at home. And I think a big deciding factor in this game is the fact that it is being played in Athens on Georgia's campus. So you go, that crowd for Georgia is going to be, they're going to be rolling. Um, 
you know, Hendon Hooker is it, it's basically down to Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud for the Heisman um, debate at this point. And 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 I think a, honestly, a big game and a win over Georgia may just cement it for Hooker. Um, he's he's in a lot of betting sites. He's at least he, he's nearly even with the betting odds with C.J. Stroud. Uh, I don't. We don't know what we have in Georgia. Stetson Bennett, their quarterback, only has nine touchdowns versus uh, Hendon Hooker. I think has like nineteen, um, maybe even more. I I didn't check the numbers this morning, but I mean he has looked really good. And his thing is he's twenty five years old. Hendon Hooker is older than uh, than, than Justin Herbert, the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Um, he's been in college for forever. Um, but I, I don't know that the Georgia environment is going to rattle him a whole lot. The question that I have is, how is Tennessee now going to handle the pressure? Because now the pressure is on them. Um, I tend to look at Georgia in this scenario and go, this is a team that has been there. They've done that. They won the championship last year. I think they make enough plays to win the game. But I don't think a Tennessee loss removes them from the playoff discussion. Um, So I I am leaning towards Georgia and the home team in this one. And I think when you have these kind of of games where it's high-powered offense, high-powered defense, um, that that high-powered defense, when you couple that with the home field advantage, can really pay off. And that's what I think happens here today. I've got Georgia winning um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a close game. I've, I'm thinking it would be probably somewhere like a 31-27 to 27 type matchup. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take Georgia. Georgia it is. There's your pick uh, over Tennessee. And we'll see if that does take them out of the conversation with the playoffs. I agree with you. Probably won't. Let's go ahead and talk about our favorite team to talk about, and that's Alabama. Alabama at number 10, LSU. Set aside the obvious penalties that would stood out from Alabama's defense during a close call at Texas. And, of course, the loss at Tennessee was lack of depth at cornerback. Well, outside of the Kool-Aid, man. Uh, I could resist. Sorry. There were just the – no, not very many reliable options for Nick Saban to choose from, and, and that's not a position that Nick Saban is used to being in. However, they may have changed a couple of weeks ago against Mississippi State when Eli Ricks uh, finally stepped up to the starting line after seven games and shined against a pass-happy Bulldog offense. Ricks makes, uh, played up to his potential and broke up four passes and only allowed one completion. So is that the missing piece, the missing link for Alabama? So we can continue to talk about Alabama being a national champion, Adam. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think Alabama <laughs> wins this game. And, and, and it's frustrating because LSU has no business being number 10. No business being number 10. And everybody knows it. Like, I feel like this was made, like they put LSU at 10 to give it the TV matchup. Like, that's it. Like, there you go. He like, said it out loud. That's, so he said what all of us um, were thinking. <laughs> so, you know, I Alabama's going to win this game, but they're going to win this game because they're just a more talented football team. 
Will Anderson on defense is still uh, the best defensive player in America, uh, and he'll make enough plays getting to Jaden Daniels. That was the thing is, is that Will Anderson against Tennessee was kind of like he had a marginal game, um, which really when, – when he doesn't ball out, you see those cracks in the Alabama defense start to form. So I, I think Alabama wins this game, but by no means is, do they have, you know, smooth sailing the rest of the way um, to get to the SEC championship game. They still have um, a couple tough matchups um, coming up. And and I, I, I think – I just think Alabama, this is going to be – this will be one of those games where like, oh, they picked up a, a win against the number 10 team in the country. And they're like, stop. They're not that good. Like – <laughs> I was ranked probably closer to 15 or 16, not 10. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. All right, let's try but to yeah, get through Alabama a couple wins of Because they're just a better team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, hey, we got we always got to throw in our conversations with Alabama. Uh, let's uh, – a few more games to get to while we still got you here. Uh, you can still – you can certainly hang around for, for the NFL talk as well if you want to. Uh, but we got Texas Longhorns at the Kansas State uh, 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 Mountain Line. Wildcats? Wildcats, that's what it is. You know, the Longhorns uh, came against the Wildcats uh, – against the Wildcats cra- – can't speak today. Let's just say Kansas State. <laughs> yeah. It presents a, a cordundum, if you will. It presents a cordundum, if you will. Texas is coming off of a bye week, but blew a second-half lead against Oklahoma State in the loss to the Cowboys a week before. Last week, Kansas State, and I can't even say Kansas State, beat number <laughs> nine uh, OSU uh, and 48 to zero. Well, there's a uh, conversation all by itself. But the Longhorns are coming off their fifth straight road loss and, and their one and six road record in the past two seasons, the worst in the Big 12. Texas at number 13, Kansas State. Texas is going to be on the struggle bus. What say you, sir? Yeah, Texas. Uh, Kansas State's pulling together. Uh, Kansas State's the team, in my opinion, that should have been closer to the top ten than freaking LSU. I mean, Kansas State absolutely curb stomped Oklahoma State last week. Like, it was – that was one that I think I looked at you, – you kind of that, – that's a game where you look at your phone and the score, if you weren't watching it, and you're like, is this a different OSU that I'm not aware of? Um, you yeah. just – Especially they absolutely killed them. And and that's where I just, I go, Kansas State is rolling right now. And really what's going to be interesting is, is Kansas State, the, the way that the Big 12 has their structure set up for the conference championship game is it's the best two teams with the best two records. And we could be primed for a TCU Kansas State another TCU-Kansas State game uh, to determine their conference. And that very well could determine if TCU goes to the playoffs. I mean, I look at TCU's schedule, and they don't have a lot of teams left that could beat them. They have Texas coming up, Baylor coming up, but Baylor's kind of taken a step backwards this year. Uh, Texas, you know, it has been up and down. But I look at this game, I think Kansas State rolls, personally. I Texas is starting a – a, a very talented, but he's still a freshman quarterback, Quinn Ewers. And, and I mean, 
I think Kansas State, they've got all the mojo going. Uh, I, I just think that they win this game kind of going away, which if they're not in the top ten after beating if – they, if they beat Texas soundly this week, I'm going to – I don't know what the freaking committee is going to be looking at. So that's – I mean, I think Kansas State wins this game, uh, I, I would say, by at least two scores. Um, so I would, I would bet on – I don't know what the line is, but if it's less than 10, I would take that, take that over all day long. I didn't do my research on all the lines today, so I don't know. We'll have to look it up here at, at another point. One more game before we have to part ways and go to the NFL. Uh, Clemson at Notre Dame, number four Clemson at Notre Dame. You know, uh, two years ago, DJ uh started as a true freshman on, you know, on the road against Notre Dame and, and delivered a performance that in large part – set expectations soaring once he officially became Clemson's starting quarterback. Coach Dabo Sweeney has spent the last seven months defending his quarterback and did it again when he brought in uh, Kate Kudelbach uh, to help rally Clemson to a 27-21 win over the Orange. Though Sweeney pulled Ogle-Ogle-Ogle-Ogle from the game, he reaffirmed that he's the quarterback. Clemson at Notre Dame, it's always hard to win at Notre Dame, but this might be a good good time for them to do that because certainly Notre Dame is in this re- – uh, well, when you talk to, like, Rick Reagan and all the big-time Notre Dame fans, they're just in a rebuilding year. That's all, that's all it is. Nothing, nothing worked up about. We're in a rebuilding year. So this might be a good opportunity for Clemson to come and get a good win at home uh, against the Fighting Irish. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I I think uh, I think this is this is a I think Clemson's going to get the win, but at the same time, Clemson has not looked great offensively. As as you pointed out, DJ Luyangale, um hasn't lived up. You actually to got to say the name. What? Well, yeah. Practice that. I mean, <laughs> well, it's not just that. It's Ohio State's heavily recruiting his younger brother, so he might be our next big defensive end. So I got to figure it out. There you go. Um, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> and, but Cade Klubnik was the number one quarterback in his in his class, and so he's got Klubnik right on his right on his tail. Um, but the, the 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 Clemson offense just has looked disjointed for like two seasons, and a lot of this is what's hard is is that Dabo's you know they're going back and forth on the quarterbacks, and you know we're going to give him the break, and and then he's this is our guy moving forward, but. I just don't think the Clemson quarterback development has been what we've seen, or maybe even – I don't even know if it, what we've seen is what we thought it was. You know, everybody thought Trevor Lawrence was this generational quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence may have peaked as a freshman in college. He's not – he never really – he never really got better <clears throat> his sophomore, junior seasons at Clemson. He hasn't looked great in the NFL so far. I – I do think Clemson wins this game, but I think people that are shutting the door on, well, Notre Dame has no shot. I don't know because we don't know how good Clemson is because they basically have only played teams in the ACC and we don't know how good the ACC is. Could Notre Dame win this game? I think they could. I think just keeping it close would be a big win for Marcus Freeman and company. Um, So I think Clemson pulls it out, but I, I, kind of feel like this because if Notre Dame can make it like a ball control kind of get down and dirty a little bit, um, 
you know, get Michael Mayer going in the passing game with Drew Pine. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it can't happen, but I tend to think this is gonna be. I think we're gonna see Clemson's offense struggle again, and Notre Dame play just enough to keep it close in the fourth quarter. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Clemson, but I'm gonna go Clemson say like twenty four to twenty two or something like that. Like it will be close with you know, a couple touchdowns and maybe Notre Dame not converting a couple red zone opportunities to set for field goals and that will end up costing the game. Well we'll certainly see what happens. We'll keep our eyes on that. It's time to shift gears to the NFL. Uh, are, are you sticking around, uh, Adam, or do you got to go? I, unfortunately, I got to get going. I got some errands I got to run and things to take care of. So can we and expect – What's that? I said, and the Browns are on bye week, so. <laughs> Time to get some stuff done, right? Uh, yeah, and that's exactly. what we were saying, you know, about the racing. And we'll be talking about this later on in the show, the, the NASCAR season in, so we won't have any more, more racing to, to talk about, so – Forget we're going to have to fill fill some puns somehow. Adam, do you got anything to contribute to Jimmy's den this week? Nothing, nothing for for this weekend. Uh, we'll have uh, something up this next week. You know, at that point, uh, the World Series should be wrapped up. Um, we'll have our second uh, playoff uh, committee rankings coming out, um, and then on Friday, I will be attending SmackDown here in Indianapolis. So. You know, there may be some a little bit WWE talk here in a couple of weeks. So yeah, it's going to be there will be stuff up um, after this weekend um, as we kind of head down the home stretch in college football season, home stretch for the NFL. You know, we kind of hit the back half. Um, so yeah, there there will be there be a new article next week. All right, buddy, have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Right, bye. Adam Jividan and. Make sure you do check out his uh, part of the world, his corner of the world on our website, uh, thebalancesportscast.com, www.thebalancesportscast.com. It's up. It's running. It's cool. It's ready to go. Jimmy Dan, we got everything. And, and of course, we're going to be talking about the Phillies here in just a moment with Ed Crouch, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, they come off a big win uh, down in in Texas. Uh, Ironically, uh, Ed was down in Houston. But we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Oh, hi. Uh, 
haven't seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Thank you, Adam Jevedin. Uh, breaking down college football this week. We had a lot to talk about. We couldn't quite get it all in because, of course, we had to talk about that brawl up north between the two uh, very mature uh, Michigan teams, uh, Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State, uh, in their tunnel uh, between trash talking. And it, it just, it, I got on a whole big soapbox about that. We'll get that thought about maybe here in a minute. Uh, but uh, I'll break it down this week at college football. And make sure you check out his uh, corner of the world on the balancesportscast.com. Just click Jivin's Den, and he just gives him a space to unload. Speaking of unloading, he's been traveling. Welcome back. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, was in Houston covering the Eagles while the Phillies was losing. What a, what a crazy night that was for the Phillies. But, Ed, uh, uh, first of all, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing doing good, Tom. Thanks. Got it back late last night and uh, doing my expenses now. It's <laughs> always hey, a full-time job figuring those out. That's the good thing about having a job that pays you to do the best thing in the world, to go to football games. You get to expense everything, you know. Yeah. And whenever you travel yeah. for business, I mean, it, it's kind of a – you do it a lot more than I do. I'll be in Dallas this week uh, for – for two days, I'm flying out on Wednesday, and I'll be back on Friday. But nonetheless, uh, anything I do, as long as it's not alcohol related, I, I get to, I get to expense it. Um, the poll yeah. of the week, or our our conversation of the week, is this is daylight savings time. So tomorrow, oh, yeah. get an hour back, you get to sleep an, an, an extra hour. As I was saying, it doesn't necessarily mean the same in my house because. We have three dogs, and for years, we, Melissa's a school teacher in the real world, and, and, and for years, so she has to get up and go early and stuff, so the dogs got to go when they got to go, so they've got a clock. I kid you not, they can be in a dead sleep at uh, 5.29 a.m. and be up and ready to go at 5.30 a.m. every morning. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Tomorrow morning at 4.30 in the morning, I'm getting up to take out three dogs. 
Oh, I thought I'm, you were going to have that. I thought that, that was Melissa's job. I thought, that, that, you, know, you know, that's not her job to do she that. Does <laughs> she does help. She does help. It's a big, it's a big, or, it's a big or, ordeal. We have to go out the front door and the back door because they, they don't do well. And they, two of them are just fine in the backyard. But when you throw in the third one, the third one, Penny, all she wants to do is bark, play. So one goes out the front door, two go out the back door. So Melissa does help with the front door. I have to give her that. <laughs> so, real quickly, uh, and then we're going to move on to uh, some uh, games and conversation today. We, t- I, I, I sent you the text about this brawl up north, Michigan State and Michigan. Michigan players hanging out in the tunnel, uh, you know, talking trash, talking smack. Uh, you know, lose, lose good, win good is what I say. You know, we were talking in the last segment about you know, hey, this is a coaching. Uh, culture. He allows that to happen. He, in, in a lot of ways, he encourages it to happen. And you and I were talking offline that, that, that there's no reason to have one tunnel, but there is. But what I thought, okay, there's, there, there comes times you got to put up and shut up. And, you know, it's, it's one thing that I get on a, fi- a fight out in the field. Everybody's got their pads and helmets on. It's, it's no big deal. But when you have kids uh, come running out of the midst, this is what happened with Michigan State. I've, I've seen different views of it. There were, there were kids already in the locker room. Then they come running out, no shirt on, but yet they have their helmet. They want to get in a fight, get in a fight. But they're, they're beating this guy up with a helmet. There's going to be they're, – they're talking about maybe some, some assault charges, as there should be. But, you know, I know this is the NFL segment, but what, what, what kind of culture – two of the biggest schools in the U.S., Big Ten – and Michigan certainly a legacy in their own right. I don't know. There, there has to be more than just, hey, I'm sorry, I own it. There has to be more than that. And your initial thoughts, because this has happened in the NFL before, only on the field. What, what are your thoughts? When you take your helmet off and you start using the helmet as a weapon, you then you, you then need to go to jail. Just my, my thought. And especially, didn't have anything to do with it. Why, why run out? Okay, you're gonna run out of the locker room. Run out of the locker room. But why bring your helmet? You've already taken your helmet. I've already taken your pads off. It, yeah, I don't. Go ahead. I'll give you. I'll give you the floor, sir. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. You know what more I can say about it. I mean, I I don't think they should have the one tunnel, but there is. And then, you know, you have these college kids that might be taking cues from the NFL. You know, we saw. Miles Garrett swing his helmet at Mason Rudolph a couple of years ago, right? So there's a You're trickle right. down. And then we saw Aaron Donald, you know, swinging his helmet in the training camp <clears throat> practice, uh, joint practice, I think, against the Bengals. And, you know, there, what are the repercussions from that? I mean, there's no assault charges from that. It's just a fine or a suspension, whatever. I don't even think anything came of the Aaron Donald situation. Maybe he was suspended, but or not suspended, but fined. So, you know, I mean, I – maybe a bit of a trickle down there, you know, the, these young teens, uh, early 20 year old kids taking cues from, you know, the guys at the pro level, I don't know, or maybe it's just, you know, you're, you're <clears throat> you know, not everybody's a good guy, obviously in a, in a football locker room, that's in any level, high school, college pros. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're all not model citizens. So, you know, there's probably some of that too, that, you know, from, you know, the backgrounds of where some of these, you know, players come from or where they live when they're in high school. 
that, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what they know. And uh, that, that's what happens. And, you know, I think it could all be prevented if Michigan were to do something different with their tunnel. That, I mean, you know, if you're just going to keep doing what, what they've been doing, it's going to happen again. It's not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be fixed. So, you know, it's up to Michigan to figure this out and figure out another way to get teams to come off the field in different areas because, you know, that's just asking for trouble. And we saw what happened. Totally, 100% agree. All right, let's move on. You were in Houston uh, when, and you know, covering the Eagles, nice win over the Texans. Uh, you know, there at halftime, I was like, oh, boy, what's going on here? But while that was going on, you were missing one of the biggest World Series games. This has been a great World Series, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm go Phillies all the way. I'm, I'm with you in the Phillies camp for sure. But this has been a give and take and a, a tit for tat. Well, I, I, this was going to come out wrong, but I was going to say, well, there are no more tits. So <laughs> well, that'd be a sad but it's world. Not, it, the Phillies <laughs> have got to put it together. <laughs> the Phillies have got to put it together. I think it goes back to Houston and, you know, Houston's one game away from winning the world series. Again, we don't want that to happen. What is your take Philadelphia Phillies fan, you cover their local media. What's the take? What's the feel of of the city and the fan base? And you know, what's what's your thoughts on the Philadelphia Phillies? Are they going to are they going to get a World Series this year? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, the deck is stacked against them now. They have to win two games in Houston, and that's that's not going to be easy for them to do. Um, so, I you know, I would say obviously at this point the Astros are in the driver's seat and. You know that Thursday game in the, in Houston. You know, so I, you know, the, the the temperature of the fan base here is, you know, it's just been very, very exciting. It's been great for the city. It's been great for the merchants in the city selling Phillies merchandise all over the place. The bars have been packed. The restaurants are full. So you know, it's been just great in Philadelphia. But I was in Houston for that game five and. What a weird game it was to cover. You know, uh, one of my friends, a reporter next to me, had a TV, you know, a, a computer. He had two computers, and one of his laptops he's doing his work. His other laptop has the game on. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on that while I'm watching what's going on, you know, below me on the field. And then uh-huh. after the game, I go into the locker room, the Eagles locker room, and it's on the TV in there. And all the players are watching the final two innings. The Eagles had, or rather, the Phillies had runners at first and third, I think, in the eighth inning. And one out and I'm standing there with the players watching the game and they're hanging on every pitch. They're cheering, they're cursing, they're yelling when stuff goes wrong. <laughs> nice. me, and, me, and, me and Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey, you know, the center and the D tackle, we're standing there together right. and the Phillies have first and third one out and Kelsey's like, how come they don't try a sacrifice bunt here? I'm like, dude, I, you mean a suicide? Like he, I think it's a suicide <laughs> squeeze or a safety squeeze. So him and I and, Kel, and Cox, we start talking about the merits of doing that and how people can't bunt anymore. And then, you know, a play happens and, you know, you hear a curse or something. It was just, it was just so much fun to be in there. And it was hard to get any work done, you know, made for a later night because the, it's hard to interview the players when they're all watching the game. Uh, so anyway, it was a really unique situation. And then coming out of the locker room to go back to the press box, fans are still heading for the exits and they're cheering like, you know, they're all Astros fans, obviously. They're wearing Astros gear. You know, they they didn't care that their football team just fell to 1-6-1. and one. They were cheering because the Astros 
or one <laughs> game away, we're about. away from. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so it was just a well, weird uh, situation to be in, and something I'll probably never forget. I mean, you know, but that said, the Eagles. Yeah, it was it was cool, and uh, you know, I was there when they won the Super Bowl, and I have some locker room stories from that in 2017 in Minnesota. So I mean, it's just been a really interesting journey uh, <laughs> in my time on this beat. And now we have an Eagles team that's eight. No, you know, first time in the history of their franchise, 89 years, the Eagles have been a franchise and they've never started a season eight. and no. So, you know, they make history on the same night that they're, you know, I'm watching the world series and the game that they become eight. and No. And, um, and then the post game locker room is something that was really cool. But uh, this Eagles team, man, they're just, you know, yeah, they were tied 14, 14 at halftime. They, they had led at every game at halftime. They never trailed in the second half, and they still haven't trailed in the second half because they came out and, and took the lead and never gave it back. So, uh, you know, it was a good test for them on a short week, four days. Had to travel 1,500 miles to South Texas to play, um, and, and they, they got challenged, and uh, they found a way to win, and, you know, it was a, it was a real good win. Jalen Hurts, first time playing professionally in his hometown, threw two touchdown passes in the second half. The Eagles intercepted two more passes. Now they have, I think, 12 interceptions this season, uh, lead the league in takeaways. Um, it's just been, you know, a really, so far, very good season for the Eagles. Well, heck, yeah. And I'm going to make a bold prediction, and, and maybe that's just because I'm the devil's advocate. You're a great friend of mine. But I, I, I think that the, the Eagles will, will roll all the way up until Christmas Eve. There, you know, there ain't no now. You've got a what I would say a cakewalk of, of a schedule. The Commanders, which is, I thought the Colts could beat the Commanders. Apparently, that's not even the case. And then you do have the Colts. So there you go. There's two easy wins for you. Uh, then you have a Sunday night uh, matchup against the Packers on December fourth, uh, and uh, the Cowboys. I think play the role of the Grinch and. We'll keep the 1972 Miami Dolphins. We'll finally uh, be able to pop that champagne bottle yet again. Uh, but I think you guys will, will give it a, a hard run to the Cowboys. Bold prediction. That's all it is. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's just it's tough to do. I mean, there's there's a lot of parity in this league, and you know, schedule aside, I mean, you know, you're playing teams that. They're around 500 generally. I mean, obviously the Texans are different. They're one win, but you know, there's there's no guarantees that you're going to beat any of these teams. And you know, the Eagles certainly have some chinks in the armor. Their run defense <clears throat> hasn't been real good these last four days, and or, or rather, for the last four games. And you know, they've given up 100 yards on the ground as a team. They gave up 139 yards to Damian Pierce, the rookie who I love. Uh, there for the Houston Texans. I loved him coming out of college at Florida in the draft, and, you know, he, he was just phenomenal. Um, and, and now they play, you know, a commander's team that Wentz won't be making his return to Philly, but, you know, they have two good running backs, Brian Robinson and, and Antonio Gibson, uh, and the Eagles are going to have to find a way to stop them. And then maybe they play Jonathan Taylor. I know he's not playing today against the Patriots or Sunday against the Patriots, but you know, maybe he's healthy, and then you have trouble stopping him. I mean, a good running back can help in a lot of ways. Obviously, churn out, you know, some first downs, score some touchdowns, but keep the Eagles' offense on the bench. And, you know, after that, you got Aaron Jones with the Packers and Derrick Henry for the Titans and then Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. I mean, it's just 
they better figure out a way to stop the run or, you know, this, this eight and is going to start churning out some losses here. Um, they lost Jordan Davis, their big run stuffer to a, a high ankle sprain. He was put on IR on Wednesday. So he's out at least four games. He could make his return against Derrick Henry, but clearly he's a big guy in the middle that they need to help stop the run. And without him, the Eagles are going to have to figure it out. Uh, they don't have anybody that's six six, three hundred and forty pounds like Jordan Davis who can move like him. So they're going to have to figure it out or they're going to lose. Uh, I, you know, I think they'll lose somewhere along the line before Dallas on Christmas Eve because what, what would that make them? That would make them like, you know, 12-0 and 0 or something before that game or 13-0. and 0. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know who's going to do it. But, again, they, have, they do have, so, you know, that big wart being the run defense. They can't stop anybody on the ground right now, and that's going to be a problem in the, eventually. Well, I'm excited for the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. That's for sure. I still love my Colts. I still put on my blue. I still uh, get geared up and ready for the games, and I still believe. But the Colts have, are in a hot mess. They play the Patriots at Foxborough this week. We'll start with our, our games around the week. I'll put on my home card and get through as many of these as we can. Because we do got to get to NASCAR because we're out in Kennington. It is the championship weekend. Huge, huge weekend yeah. for NASCAR and NASCAR fans. Uh, but the Colts are just limping along. And, you know, we, okay, we, we changed our quarterback. Is he the reason why we lost by one point to the commanders? And what an exciting environment that was. We went to the, uh, we went to the tel, uh, VIP tailgate party, had a great time. Fans are all about the Colts. I mean, the, the stadium was packed. I mean, so it's not the fan base. You're at home. You should be able to win. They go on the road. To the Patriots, which we know the love-hate, mostly hate, relationship that the Colts and the Patriots have. New quarterback, Effinger, goes to the Patriots. The good thing, if there is a silver lining in this, uh, the Patriots are playing like dog doo-doo. And let's hope that they don't decide to, to figure it all out, that Bill Belichick finally decides to start doing what he does well, and that's win games. Let's let's hope he doesn't decide to do that this weekend. But the Colts are at the Patriots. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, being without Taylor is going to probably hurt a little bit. Um, yeah. And then you trade Naeem Hines. You know, you trade away Naeem to Hines, yeah. too. Which, yeah, so, you know, it looks like the Colts, to me, are kind of, I don't know, you, you don't want to say rebuilding because you still have half a season left here. But, you know, they're starting a, you know, a young quarterback in Ellinger. You don't have your top running back. You trade away another running back. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. And I, I think you have to rely on your defense. You know, the Patriots offense, you know, we saw all the Bears get after them on the last Thursday night. They've had this mini bye week now to try to figure it out. But I guess Mac Jones is going to start for the Patriots. And you're in New England. Um, you know, obviously there's big history there with Indianapolis and New England. So uh, it's going to be a tough game, I think, for the Colts. And you know, I guess you fired the offensive coordinator too, right? That, that, that's something yeah, else that happened sure this week. The OC got canned. Yep, so, same day. yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I saw somewhere that, that yeah, I mean, I listen, you, you put a rookie, a second-year quarterback in there, and you expect the OC to figure it all out in one game. But uh, I don't know who they replaced. But I guess, uh, you know, I saw someone, I maybe was in Indianapolis, say that maybe losing Nick Sirianni uh, was a bigger impact than maybe originally thought, you know, coming to the Eagles to be the head coach. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's – I think his coaching staff and Sirianni, very, very smart staff. 
very, very smart coach. Um, you know, the more time I spend around these guys, uh, you can just see they love football. And maybe that was an underrated loss for the Colts was losing Sirianni to Philly because uh, they've mm-hmm. struggled. And, you know, I, I just don't know where the struggles end for them at this point. I don't, I don't think it's going to be in New England. I think it's going to continue. I think the Patriots, like I said, they lost at home to the Bears, and now here they are at home again. Uh, they've had extra time to prepare. So it's going to be a tough job for the Colts to go in there and win after a week where, you know, they lost their backup running back Hines. They don't have have their starting running back. They don't have their offensive coordinator. So, you know, a lot of turnover this week, and it's going to be tough, I think, for them to go in and win that game. Let's talk about the Packers are on the road to Detroit. Nothing really exciting about this game either which way. This is one of these these games where you eat a big lunch and you take a nap. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are at the Detroit Lions, obviously one and six. Great home field advantage we talked about before, but the Packers can't seem to figure it out. They're only at three and five, and uh, there's a lot of rumor that they're going to part ways with Aaron Rodgers at the end of this year. Rumors, you know, we like to talk about them, but it is what it is. Packers suck. Lions suck. Anything to not suck about between these two games. <laughs> well, I mean, the Packers have what four games, three games in a row they've lost, or maybe it's four now. I don't, I don't know. I can't keep track. But Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown for over 300 yards this season, and look, is it all his fault? I mean, we always point to the quarterback, but they didn't get him any help in the off season when they lose Marquez Valdez Scalding and or whatever, however you say that, Scaldez Valding. You know who I'm talking about? He went. I think he's in the Chiefs. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he leaves, and that, of course, Devontae Adams leaves. So, you know, they, who'd they replace them with? Really nobody. I mean, they drafted a kid from, in the second round from North Dakota, Christian Watson, but, you know, you know, spare me that. I mean, they could have had maybe Pickens from Georgia or somebody better in the first round, but they didn't give him any help in the offseason. And their defense has been very suspect, and it's just a breakdown on every level. Um, they, I mean, they should beat the Lions, right? I mean, I – I don't know where the Lions stand at this point. I don't know how good that home field advantage is anymore. I mean, they're one and six, I think. I mean, what are the fans still turning out? I don't know. I know for that opener when Philly was there, it was one of the best raucous atmospheres I've been in. But that was they were coming off a summer of being on hard knocks. There was all this hope and expectation that they would turn this, you know, this would be the turnaround season. And it hasn't gone that way. So I don't know if fans are still turning out to, to fill that place. I don't know if it's as electric as it was two months ago. Um, so I, I don't know. But I, this is a game the Packers should win. If not, but he, he might want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers before the end of the year and start Jordan Love. But uh, they're, they're, they're going to be going nowhere quick if they don't find a way to win this game. Well, I think everybody, when they brought on Jordan Love, knew that the writing was on the wall for them to say goodbye to Aaron Rodgers, which is fine. Let him go on into his tree, put on a, a broadcast jacket, and uh, then soon he'll be putting on a, a, a gold jacket. So I, I don't I don't weep for Aaron Rodgers in any which shape or matter. Last game that we've got to have time for, Buffalo Bills are at the Jets. Bills are on target. I, I You know, I, I'm, I'm full of bold predictions today. But they'll go the rest of the season. They'll go undefeated for the rest of the season. And if they do, they'll be kicking themselves for their only loss of the season happening in week three against Miami. Uh, I mean, the Bills are the best team in the NFL this season. Even though the Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated, don't get me wrong, I love you like a brother. But Josh Allen is is playing at an unbelievable MVP level, uh, and, and the defense is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, you, you know they might have a challenge against the Vikings on those in, in 
two weeks. I guess that's when they play the Vikings. Um, they still have to play the Pesky Patriots, but like I said, the Patriots aren't that good this year. So, uh, so I think Buffalo has a favorable schedule down the stretch uh, and a favorite to win any, each game. And, and I think obviously they'll be the top seed in the, in the, in the playoffs in the AFC for sure. Uh, they're back, and uh, they're not going to get they're not going to let a Kansas City Chiefs overtime loss stop them this year. What do you thought? Yeah, you Bills would, the yeah, you you wouldn't think so. I love. I think the Bills are, you know, probably the best team for sure. I mean, and then they go out and they acquire Naheem Hines, who's going to help their running game immensely, and they're, you know, nice the guy out of the backfield. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, that's it's um, it's they're looking real good, and uh, the Jets. And I and I guess I was wrong about New England. I thought their last game was that Thursday nighter, but they beat the Jets last week. Um, in in New York, so I you know I was kind of high on the Jets, and I, I still kind of am, but I there's just I don't see them, you know, going into uh, Buffalo. I think that game's in Buffalo, right? And finding a way to beat you know the best team in the NFL. And yeah, the Eagles are undefeated, but you know that doesn't mean they're the best team. It just means they have the best record. Um, so yeah, I think Buffalo is just too good, and uh, they'll find a way to beat the Jets, but. You know, could be wrong there. I don't think so. I mean, I, I do like the way the Jets kind of turn things around a little bit, but this is just too much too soon for them at this time to go in there and win, I think. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com and our official NFL contributor. Ed, uh, thanks for coming on a little bit earlier today. We're getting ready to jump into the NASCAR top. Zane Smith wins the truck series. What an exciting finish last night. Steve Wilson standing by in the balance green room. Uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. It is NASCAR Championship Weekend. Ed, what are you guys working on this weekend? You got a little you got a little break today. Eagles aren't playing today. Uh, I mean, tomorrow. Sorry, you got a little break this weekend. Uh, any big plans for daylight saving time? Or... <laughs> well, not really. I'm taking my mom to see uh, – my wife and me are taking my mom to see Les Mis tomorrow, Les Miserables, the oh, cool. musical, which I've seen several times. It's tremendous. Love it. She's never yeah. seen it. She's always wanted to. So we're taking her to see that at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. Nice. Uh, so I won't be watching a whole lot of football tomorrow. I'll probably watch the night game because it's a 1 o'clock show. But that's that's it, and I'll – I'll still pump out some fresh content on the Eagles today, tomorrow, uh, and through this little mini bye week that they have until they play the Commanders uh, on Monday Night Football on November 14th. Fun. Can't wait for you to get here to Indianapolis. We're gonna we're gonna have a fun night, uh, having some dinner and drinks. You know, yep. we gotta Coming keep up. it reasonably reasonably fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, to yeah. the, we'll go to the slippery noodle at one o'clock in the morning again. I promise you that. How about that? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I got to work the next day, so we'll, we'll see where it all yeah. ends up. But okay, uh, all right, Ed, you have right. yourself a good weekend. We look forward to talking with you soon. All right, thanks, Tom. See ya. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, uh, fresh off a, a another Eagles win uh, out in Houston. Got back late last night. So, uh, you know, and it's always fun to talk about undefeated. They're undefeated. I mean, how long does that, that happen? I don't know, but they, they, they keep it going. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We're going to be jumping right into this uh, NASCAR talk. A lot of exciting things to talk about with NASCAR. We're going to get it all packed in for you. Coming up on the other side, right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Thank you, Adam Jividan, for helping us break down college football this week. So the biggest game that we got our eyes on is Tennessee and Georgia. Adam thinks Georgia's going to win that game. Not going to necessarily take Tennessee out of the conversation uh, for the playoffs. What a what a game and what a year the the balls are having. Uh, we like the balls here in our house as well, uh, so we're we're rooting them along as well. And of course, talk about the big brawl that happened up there in Michigan. Uh, the two uh, 
big schools, uh, Michigan State and Michigan uh, Wolverines, get into it in the tunnel, and we'll, we'll, we went on our soapbox about that, so we'll get back on it. Thanks, Ed. Crash, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles are, are undefeated, and uh, so uh, they had a great win in Houston. And ironically, Ed was telling a fun story about uh, how he, he was in the locker room after the game, and everybody was in the in the locker room watching the uh, the Phillies and, and rooting on the Phillies and what a tough loss for the Phillies that is. They get they, they go back to Houston now and you know like I said it's tit, been tit for tat but it is time for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, the Philadelphia Phillies to put it together. I hope that they do get a win. Joining us now though is we got another championship weekend to talk about and that's uh, in NASCAR. Make sure you got your Black Rifle Coffee, BlackRifleCoffee.com. It's getting around the holiday stuff. There's all kinds of stuff stuff on there, coffee mugs, hats, shirts, what have you, and yes, I've got all of the above, and the good thing about it is when you buy a bag of coffee from Black Rifle, you give a bag, my uh, my friend's son is uh, in the Navy and on a destroyer, and that's all they serve on there is Black Rifle Coffee, so check it out, blackriflecoffee.com. Steve Wilson, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, I think so. Good, good. Late night last night, James uh, Smith uh, picked up a, a, a truck win. But, you know, here's the good thing. We've been talking about it through the whole show. It's not sports-related, but it's daylight savings time. We get an hour back. What are your thoughts on daylight savings time, sir? It's a very, very important topic. After this weekend, I'll need an extra hour. <laughs> That's what I say. I love, it in the, I love it in the fall. I hate it in the, in, in, in the spring. So, you know, I, I, I've said this a couple times today. We have three dogs, and they have a, a biological clock that they can be in a dead sleep at 529 in the morning at 530 in the morning. They're up and ready to go. Got to go pee. Well, that just means that at 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> I'm getting up to take out three dogs. But that's neither here nor there. I digress. Let's talk about the big truck race last night in Phoenix. Zane Smith gets an exciting win uh, and gets his championship in the truck series. Uh, a very, very good race. Of course, we've, we've got the Xfinity today, this evening, and then we've got uh, the, the Cup Series tomorrow. So we've got a lot to, to break down. So let's start with last night's Cup race. Uh, give us uh, the highs and the lows and and uh, the the key to the victory for Zane Smith to the championship. Yeah, um, you know, Zane Smith the last two years has come up in second place, right behind the champion, and uh, moving over this year, got got an opportunity to run with uh, Front Row Motorsports. Uh, kicked the year off with uh, in Daytona, won in Daytona, got two other wins throughout the year, and then picked up his fourth win of the season last night to take home the championship. And finally, after three tries of trying to win this thing, finally won this thing. Um, he was pretty much the dominant truck all night long. Uh, it seemed like he had the power over um, just about anybody else. Um, ben Rhodes was... Uh, you know the previous the champion from last year on that final restart he uh he played a little bit of pit uh strategy to try and get back up there in the front but you know ultimately it was just Zane Smith who had started 11th or 12th on that final restart with uh fresher tires was able to just motor past the field and uh take home this victory um you know Tom Majeski is another guy this year that's you know, we looked to him an awful lot. Uh, he won back to back, one in Bristol, one in uh, Homestead, and uh, you know thought that he might be the favorite going into this thing. Unfortunately for him, he uh, tried to make a run on Zane Smith uh, very late in the going of this thing, uh, and uh, ended up spinning out. 
So for him, um, you know, uh, he'll come back and try and do it again next year. But, you know, Zane Smith uh, has, was obviously the dominant truck at the end of the night, winning both of the stages on top of the race win. Well, congratulations to him. Uh, let's move on over to uh, other NASCAR uh, news, if you will. Uh, Jimmy Johnson comes back to NASCAR, only this time as part owner. Uh, perhaps the the, uh, the only NASCAR big enough to bump uh, Ross Chastain off of his recent uh, heroics in getting into the playoffs. I, I loved how, how Dale Jr. was like on, on the broadcast. You may have watched the broadcast, but he's like – actually, I think you were out the race. But he, uh, he he's like, whoa. That was like a video game move. <laughs> but real quickly, let's talk about Jimmy Johnson. He, he became a partner in the Petty GMS Reaching uh, with an eye toward a, a limited cup series uh, schedule in, in 2023. Um, there was rumors about this happening. I don't know how the deal all came together. You're in the know a lot more than I am. So let's break down this uh, return to NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson, uh, part owner, and, and, and you gotta, and you and I were talking about this offline. You gotta wonder how that came together with his relationship with Hendrix. But nonetheless, big news with Jimmy Johnson going to be part owner in, in the Petty uh, GMS Racing. Yeah, so this thing all came together when um, the same agent that Jimmy Johnson uses, um, Eric Jones, who drives a 43 car for Petty GMS, um, uses it at the same time, and it seems to have come through those channels uh, that way from Eric Jones' perspective and uh, the Petty, Petty, Petty GMS side through, the, through their uh, agent that both Eric and Jimmy Johnson uses. Uh, you know, this is kind of big for this, you know, it's, Petty said he's getting into his 80s and, you know, he's, uh, you know, how much more time can he run, you know, this this team? So bringing somebody else on like that, um, you know, they already have Maurice Gallagher and others there that are, you know, part owners in this team along with Petty. You know, uh, Jimmy Johnson is just another guy that, you know, they they've can uh, rely on to come in and, you know, not only from a business perspective, but also somebody that can come in um, you know, Eric Jones has done uh, exceptionally well this year in that 43 car, even winning the first round of uh, the uh, playoffs in uh, the Southern 500 there in Darlington for his second time. Um, so, you know, Jimmy will be able to come into that team and kind of give them, uh, you know, some some better intel and maybe, um, you know, in these limited runs, uh, be able to get them even better than they are, you know, and they seem to be making those turns and strides and with Noah Gregson also coming over to the 42 car next year, you know, those two are going to have uh, an impeccable uh, mentor there to, to help them not only driving wise, but maybe even setup wise in some of these cars and continuously get better, you know, for that team. So Johnson will attempt the 2023 Daytona 500 for Petty GMS as well as all limited schedule from that point on out throughout the rest of the year. Let's move on over to the Xfinity Series, obviously championship uh, uh, weekend for both the Xfinity Series, well, the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, and so it really exciting to watch this. One the two drivers that I've been watching a lot in the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs and uh, Noah Gregson. Well, they've kind of gotten into a spat, if you will, and Noah Gregson basically says that uh, Ty Gibbs is living in a fantasy land. And... Uh, and uh, so there's there's a little bit of a, a word spat going on between Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson. That's okay, a little, a little bit of trash talk. But between the two, honestly, 
I think Noah Gregson is is if we're talking about just these two guys to be in the the champion, one or one or the other one, I'm gonna go with Noah Gregson. My money's on him. What are your thoughts? Well, Noah's won uh, three back-to-back races, um, so you know he's he's right there, uh, probably the one of the favorites. Uh, I know Ty Gibbs last week at Martinsville, him and Frank Jones had an issue out there with the Xfinity series. Um, so you know, you know, uh, you know, I I don't I don't know. I I think it, out of the two, Grayson probably has the best opportunity out of um, the two because I just think it'll be. If people get in Ty Gibbs' way, they're going to make it exceptionally hard for him uh, to win that championship later on today, especially if Brandon Jones is anywhere near him. I don't think that he's going to do intentionally wreck him like Todd did to Brandon, but I think Brandon is going to make it exceptionally hard for him. But really, I think uh, for me, I'm, I'm kind of looking at Josh, Josh Berry this weekend. Uh, he's, he's a short track racer. He came from the short track. Um, but he seemed to pick up his craft in the Xfinity Series, and he's even won on some of the the road courses this year. So, you know, for for them, for him, you know, going into a place like Phoenix, it kind of is right there, kind of a little bit more short track kind of feel racing around that facility. So, for me, I I actually picked uh, Josh Berry to win uh, the race and the championship later on today. What do you think? You brought that up, and and I was I had it in my notes to to talk about. But what do you think about this intentional, uh, intentional wrecking of Brandon Jones from Ty Gibbs? Uh, Ty Gibbs, you know, basically says, hey, you know, I was is he, he basically said he didn't feel like he did anything wrong. Uh, he was, you know, he, he clearly wrecked Brandon Jones to get the win. Obviously, there was no penalties that came down from that. So, I mean, and maybe NASCAR didn't think it was egregious, but I know Twitter and fan base of, of, of NASCAR said, hey, you know, that's dirty pool. That's dirty pool. Was, was Ty Gibbs – I asked you that, and I know what your answer is, but for the show purposes, Ty Gibbs was playing some, some dirty pool in that situation. Yeah, I think that was, uh, you know, Ty did not have the big picture in mind. Um you know, it could have been two JRM cars against two Wilkins racing cars had he um, just kind of protected Brandon Jones to a, to some degree, um, leaving out of Martinsville and let him let Brandon win that race because Brandon was in a new win, uh, in a must win situation and he was he had he had a very dominant car throughout the day in Martinsville. Um, I, I think uh, I think Ty got a little overzealous in that aspect and didn't really play teammate very well, regardless of the fact that Brandon is is moving over um, to somebody else next year. Well, JR Motorsports, but still, you know, he still has a teammate this year, and he had an opportunity, you know, for his family's team to have two cars instead of one. And now Ty has to go out there and fight this thing all by himself instead of having really any friends out there because there's no way that Brandon Jones is going to give him any kind of help later on today, being the last race for Joe Gibbs Racing for Brandon, as well as, you know, after what had happened in Martinsville. I think if he would have raced him a little bit cleaner, um, he may have been able to get past him uh, using the bumper, and maybe Brandon would have seen that as, as just kind of a racing incident. But I just don't think, you know... And the totality of all of this, I don't think he was thinking big picture and, you know, listening to some of his interviews, you know, and during media day and things like that, 
Um, I'm not sure if he's totally sorry for what he's done either. I think he's uh, made some statements in the in the fact that if he could do it again, things like that. But you know, I I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily see it as a point where he is uh, to a point where he feels remorseful, re- re- totally remorseful for what he did. Because I mean, if he did, then you know he would have thought big picture and put two of his family cars against two of JR Motorsports cars instead of three on one. So. Yeah, I think there's just a bigger picture there that's over being overlooked a little bit. You know, uh, we were talking about Ross Chastain, and we'll get on to the Cup Series here in a minute, but I, I, I just thought that was fantastic. Ross Chastain did what we call wall writing, and it's a tactic that's been used in video games for a long time. So it really was a video game move, and when he was talking about it, in a past post-game, we get, goes, how long have you been practicing that? He goes, for a long time. And so... You know, it, it it was. Hey, I've got to I got to go balls to the wall. I I'm either in or I'm not. If I if I wreck a race car, in the meantime, great. I mean, not so great. But if I get into the the playoffs, great. And he took the the gamble and won. What an exciting finish that was for him to come up against the wall and 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 get in the lead. Uh, I mean, to finish enough to get into the points to get to. Uh, in the in the championship and now he's running for a championship what are your thoughts about that real life video game action and you watched it unfold right there in front of your eyes what were, what were your thoughts yeah I don't think anybody kind of really understood what they, we were watching there for a moment um, you know it really from the get-go it looked like you know some of the racing incidents where he had blown a tire and he's up riding the wall it wasn't until after everything was all kind of over said and done you know, watching replays and things like that, um, and even listen to his interview post-race, that you kind of realize that was intentional, to and you know, for him to do that. And when he took it, he took a gamble and he took a risk, and it paid off. And I know a lot of people are pissed about that, and said, "Well, he didn't play within the rules." Well, there is no rule on that. There, there's no rule <laughs> that well, he can't go out there and do that. And you know, it's not he, he, you know, we, you know, right. You know, if you know you're 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 risking yourself just as much as you're risking anybody else. So I mean, it's, you know, you're you're risking your race car, you're risking yourself just as much as you risk anybody else. But at the end of the day, there's no rule that says you can't not do this. But you know, there's not that many people, and a lot of people said, well, you know, if one person does it, everybody will do it. Well, well, honestly, I don't think there's too many people out there that even would have the balls to do it in the first place. I mean, if you look at some of the drivers that go up there and race by that wall to begin with, I mean, Kyle Larson is one of the drivers that we see week in and week out. I mean, I know we don't see it at, at Martinsville, but we see it at many, many other places. But, you know, Kyle Larson is a guy that likes to go up there and ride just, you know, inches away from that wall. But I don't even think that Kyle Larson would go up there and do something like that. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, if you're in a Hail Mary type situation like Ross Chastain was is uh, I mean maybe they maybe somebody else does try this, but at the end of the day you know if you if you even go out there and look at the drivers that may even do it you can probably reduce the number down to uh, less than 25 percent of those that would even attempt to try it and even those that attempt to try it you probably even only have one or two people out of all, all uh, out of them that would you know, even be successful at this. So I think a lot of drivers are looking at that and seeing what the, you know, what the risk versus reward is in a lot of these cases. I mean, you just are not going to have that many drivers that are going to go up there and try and do this. I think this was just a last ditch effort 
by Ross Chastain. It worked. It was within the rules, and NASCAR has basically said the same thing, and I don't think we need to put any rules in place to prevent this because it's just, um, you know, it's, it, it's you know, he, he did what he had to do. He was paid as a race car driver to go out there and win races and, and run for a championship, and that's exactly what he did at the end of the day. I loved it. It was great. And, you know, uh, you were in the media center. What was the reaction of, of the media when they, when they, when they saw that, Just the, in, the, the live in-person reaction? What was that, what was that like? Well, like I said, you know, initially it was most of uh, everybody thinking that he had kind of wrecked. Uh, like he had blown a tire and he had wrecked and he was riding the wall. Um, and that was really the initial reaction from it is because nobody really knew, knew what we were watching. We thought we were watching a <laughs> run-of-the-bill kind of accident where somebody blew a tire, uh, only to find out later on in, in, in replays and his interview post-race that this was a, that this was intentional, that he had done this intentionally. And, you know, it, it took a while to process that because uh, we know nobody had ever seen it. And, and nobody had ever seen something like that. Well, let's get into the big race this weekend. Who's going to be the Gen NASCAR champion? We've been talking about it for a while. It is time for us to, to uh, make a decision on who's going to be the uh, – 2022 NASCAR champions. That Phoenix, talk with us a little bit about the Phoenix track. It's a great track to watch a race. It's a great track to run the race. It looks like we're going to have some great weather. Uh, so uh, let's let's kind of talk about uh, who, who's in the hunt and uh, what's what's the key to a victory tomorrow. Well, yeah, you know, I I, I I'll, I'll go ahead and preference. You know, everything I'm going to say with my own pick of uh, Joey Logano. I think Logano is, uh-huh. you know, coming into this thing looking for or looking for another championship um, for him. I know, uh, you know, Ross Chastain and, you know, uh, Christopher Bell and, you know, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott won this race a couple of years ago to win this championship. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, Chase Elliott, Chase, Chase has made it this way through some, through the missteps of others. And I don't feel like he's been necessarily the strongest car in and out, uh, week in and week out. They've had problems in the pits. They've had problems with their pit stops. They've had problems with, uh, you know, adjustments that they've made on the car. And I think he he's been the beneficiary of other pe- uh, other people's uh, issues, kind of week in and week out as we've gone deeper and deeper into this ten race uh, run for the championship. Uh, not to say that you know they haven't put on um, you know put on uh, you know cars on the track that aren't capable of winning because I think they have. I just think that there's just been some other things that have kind of slowed them down a little bit, and we've seen that even even um, in in the regular season where he we ended up as a regular season champion. But you know there were there was even times during the end that you know they were struggling a little bit. So I don't think I've seen you know you know I could be wrong, maybe I am, but I've picked Joe Logano uh, to win the championship tomorrow afternoon in Phoenix. You know what? And not a bad, not a bad pick at all for his second. You know, he, he was he uh, was the the 2018 uh, champion. Uh, it's been a few years ago, but certainly Joe Logano has what he, what he what he has. And I've been enjoying watching this uh, uh, race to the championship. 
um, and they've they've had several fe- features on him. And I've, I I feel like I've really got to know Joey Logano as a person, although I I briefly have met him at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, but th- just the way that they put it together, really very well put together. So I think it'd be a great uh, win for Joey. But let's let's talk about Chase. I want to get in all four drivers here uh, and uh, and just talk about them individually. Uh, Joey Logano is your pick. Chase Elliott has been my pick for a while, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, although after watching uh, Ross Chastain last week, I might want, I might want to change my, my pick on that. But you know, despite being the youngest member of the of the championship four, uh, he's 26 years old. Elliott uh, boasts perhaps the most impressive resume. He nabbed the Cup Series championship in 2020. He has 18 career wins, with five of them coming in 2022. Elliott has two more wins than any other racer this year, and he finished the regular season as a serious point leader. The safe bet, the, the hey, I love this guy bet, Chase Elliott. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, yeah, he's the most popular driver out there for a reason. And, yeah, he, he did win the, the regular season championship, and, yeah, he's won multiple times this year. But we've uh, – you know, we he can't be overshadowing the fact that some of how many more wins could he have had this year if it wasn't for pit issues out there? Maybe he won't won another one or two races out there. We just don't know. But I mean, it's just I, I look at that because you know it's things like that that you know in this race those things matter. Um, you know, they matter a lot to you know whether you get off pit road first, you whether whether you get off road pit road. 10th or 12th or 9th or whatever, pick a number. Um, and I think you just have to be flawless all day long. And um, I, I, I think that, you know, there's been a couple of issues where that, that has shown to be maybe, you know, not necessarily his driving ability, not necessarily the dominance of the car, or the performance of the car, but I think it's, you know, I, I think the pits are kind of uh, also crucial to all this because if you can't put it all together for 312 laps tomorrow afternoon, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how dominant your car is. I don't know how, how good the performance or handling of your car is. You know, it, you know if you, you get out there 10th or 12th or something like that with a, with a uh, NASCAR overtime, things like that, um, you're going to have your work cut out for them, you know, where somebody else has been flawless all day long, you know, is is able to get out there and, and perform better. So that's my only concern coming into that. I, again, it's not the performance of the car. It's not the handling of the car. It's not the driver's ability of the car. I just think, you know, with just a couple of pit miscues throughout the season has uh, maybe cost him one or two races this year that, you know, if they haven't solved those going into this, tomorrow afternoon, then, you know, um, you know, you've got to have the whole package. You know, Christopher Bell, he has a flair for the dramatic. Uh, he, he's uh, come from behind victory in Martinsville. Like, I like Christopher Bell uh, and uh, represented his second walk-off win, if you will, of the postseason. He advanced to the round of eight with a win in cutoff race at Charlotte, sorry, at the Robles. Joe Gibbs, a racing driver, is a threat at Phoenix, and he has two top ten finishes on that on the track there. So, I mean, let's not discount Christopher Bell. As we know, he's he he can he knows how to win a race, and he's got some of the best leaderships there is in racing. Uh, talking in his ears. So, Christopher Bell, what are your thoughts on how he how, how he does? 
Um, you know, he you're right. He's done this. He's done this a couple times, and Kevin Harvick kind of has been in the same situation before, where he's had to have these whack off wins, walk off wins, but he's just not been able to whack off. The championship <laughs> in the, <at> the, <laughs> yeah, jeez, walk. I can't. That I can't fine. talk today. Uh, uh, any, but no, he's uh you know, you, you go back and look what happened at Vegas. And, I mean, it put him – you know, Christopher Christopher was running well that day, and he had a potential to have a, a really decent finish and not end, end up eighth out of eight drivers in, in the court championship. And he went on and, you know, went to Homestead, and he didn't make up a whole lot of ground and a whole lot of points there. But it wasn't until he got to Martinsville, you know, where he was able to, once again, kind of that um, – you know, Hail Mary last ninth inning, you know, home run to to put them in and put them in the championship this weekend. Um, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing is struggling right now because of you. Look what happened to Kyle Busch last week. And, you know, whether that's intentional or not, you know, Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing, that car should have never been four or five laps down halfway through mm-hmm. the race. Um, you know, uh, for the Cup Series, I think, you know, one of the, some of their stronger cars have, uh, you know, even in Kyle Busch has blown engines multiple times this year. So, you know, uh, you know, Christopher Bell has a little bit to overcome when it, when it comes to some of these issues, uh, not necessarily of his own doing. Uh, he's done everything that he has to do to try and get it in, but I think statistically, you're looking back, even at, and when Kevin Harvick has been in these, you know, these uh, situations, you know, multiple, multiple times. And I mean, he, you know, this is even back during the, when they had when Homestead was the final race, and Kevin would have to come in to Phoenix, and he would have to win the basically win the race to get into the championship, but was never ever to kind of close that uh, on several occasions. Um, so. I, I think it's a tall order. Um, we'll have to see where he end, ends up qualifying at um, and then uh, see kind of where the car is. But, you know, right now, Ross Chastain, um, you know, not to change the subject, but, you know, Ross Chastain was fast as yesterday in practice, and, you know, Christopher Bell was a bit further down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's, you know, there's some things over there Joe Gibbs that they're going to have to kind of work on if they want to run for a championship against some really strong guys uh out there. Well, you mentioned Russ Chastain. We talk about him again. I, I really enjoyed his, his spectacular win and riding the wall, as we just talked about, and getting into the championship. So that said, he gets he gets some kudo points from me. Uh, but uh, I, I like, you know, talking about race to the championship. They've, they've really honed in on Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain at Trackhouse Racing and, and that whole team. And, you know, you don't really put it in perspective how small of a team Trackside Racing is. I mean, it's a really small team in comparison. Uh, and, you know, as, as they were saying on the show, they're, they're one big, big happy family. You know, our families hang out together. And, it, you know, it's just it's more of a uh, family relationship than it is, you know, a, a worker, co-worker, colleague type situation. I think that goes a long way in helping the driver just, you know, be motivated and be ready to go. I like track house racing as, 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 as a fan, I would love to see Ross Chastain win. Now I think I, we're in agreement that it's going to be either uh, Chase Elliott or, or Joey Logano. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but as a fan, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know the track house uh, show. And I encourage anybody, you don't necessarily have to be a race fan, but I can guarantee you after you watch this series, you will be a race fan. But, um, 
again, it's he made one of the, the, the greatest moves in, in cup history, if you will, at Martinsville last week. So he gets my kudos there. And so we'll see what happens. I, I don't I don't know that he'll win, but he'll be fun. He'll be fun to watch. Uh, Trackhouse Racing uh, is a, is a fun team to watch. Uh, any thoughts on Trackhouse or Ross Chastain? Um, you know, Trackhouse, and you know, look at where they came from. They came from Ganassi. They they started with Daniel mm-hmm. Torres. They were able to get a get a win out of him, and then they added the second team. Um, you know, when when they bought. Ganassi out, expanding with Ross Chastain. I think that that was, um, you know, out of their choices between Ross and Kurt Busch. I mean, they could. I don't think they would have gone wrong either way. But really, Ross Chastain uh, has been somebody that we've watched all year long, going back even to Coda and his win at Coda and other places uh, throughout the year. That you know, this this has been a team that. Um, you know, it's fairly new, and I know the ownership really isn't new. Justin Marks isn't new to this sport, driving or ownership and things like that. But, um, you know, or even the tri- or even the origins of the team really isn't new. But, you know, we still, for the most part, we consider them a new team. And look at what they've been able to do with, um, you know, Daniel Suarez also winning this year. Um, you know, this, this is a team that has gone up against the likes of Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, gone up against the likes of Hendrick Motorsports and et cetera. And um, they have become kind of that underdog team that has uh, everybody's kind of been rooting for. And I know Ross Chastain has ruffled a lot of feathers throughout the year. And he's put a, put his team in a couple of situations, put himself in a couple of situations where other drivers are not too happy with him. But, you know, you look at what he did once again in Martinsville, I think, you know, maybe he got some cool points back on that from not only some of the drivers that he had ruffled the feathers with, but maybe the fan base too at the same time. Um, So I I, I think he's kind of the, um, you know, the fan favorite per se to win. And I think, you know, it's the feel-good story that, you know, Ross Chastain is the guy that came up and worked himself all the way to this point. Uh, you know, driving for underdog teams that really should have never performed at the level that Ross was performing at. And now here he is going to Phoenix as a chance for, for a championship um, in his first year uh, racing with Trackhouse Racing, regardless of the fact that he raced for Ganassi prior. Um, you know, I, I think he's the fan favorite to win and the feel-good story to win. Um, I think it just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, is there anybody out there that he's not got those cool points back from and and, and kind of uh, ruffled some feathers earlier on in the year? I don't think anybody's going to go out there and potentially wreck him because NASCAR is going to be looking at this regardless of whether what series it is, whether it's, you know, Gibbs and um, Brandon Jones later today or whether it's Ross Chastain and somebody else tomorrow NASCAR is going to be very mindful of this, and and if they see something like this like happened at Martinsville, I think there's going to be uh, repercussions from that. So I don't think anybody's going to go out there and necessarily intentionally, um, you know, ruffle up um, Ross Chastain to get back at him for something that he may have done earlier this season. But I think they can they can make it incredibly hard for him to win at the same time. So, you know, you got a couple things going on all together. Well, it all comes comes together this weekend out in Phoenix. We already know who is the truck championship. Uh, the race will consist of three stages, three hundred uh, and three hundred and twelve laps, 
on the one-mile track. The top finisher among the four championship drivers will win the Cup Series title. Points totaled during the regular season and playoffs are not applied. If a non-playoff driver wins Sunday's race, the title will go to the playoff driver who finishes the best among the four championship drivers. Uh, it'll, it'll take place in, in Phoenix, which is where it's, it's happened the last two championship races. And, uh, of course, I picked uh, Chase Elliott. Steve picks Joey Logano. We'll see what happens. Well, Steve, we come to uh, a, an end to our racing segment for the, this season. Uh, the, we, we, it's a better goodbye to you. You're a good friend of mine. You're a good friend of the show. You've done so much for us. And, and really, I, I just uh, applaud you for everything you've done, and especially in helping us get our website up. I, I really, really appreciate that and, and all that you've done for us uh, and uh, continue to do for us. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. But uh, I hope you enjoy your off-season, sir. Any final words of wisdom and where can people find your work and masterpieces even throughout the off-season? Um, I, it's been an exciting year and a lot of aspects to see some of these drivers come and do some amazing things and overcome the adversity that, that they have. There's a lot of work to still be done on this next-gen car to try and make it safe. I know there's been drivers this year that have been hurt, one of which was uh, forced into retirement, and hopefully, you know, NASCAR will continue to tweak this car. Um, you can find our work at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and speedwaydigest.com. I will talk to you in February when we head back to Daytona. Or I know. To You'll be here first. before you know it, buddy. Be here before you know it. All right. You have a good weekend. Let's look. 105 days. What was it? 105 days. In 105 County, right? days. Yep. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Talk All right, to you bye. Steve Wilson, our NASCAR contributor, he's been a part of this show, part of our team for a long time. And, you know, uh, we we do it in seasons and segments, and so we're, we come to the end of, of racing. And um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's always, it's, you know, we're going to be changing things up a little bit. I'll be talking more college football. We'll be talking uh, a lot more NFL, obviously. So, you know, keep it where you're at now. The important thing is you go to balancedsportscast.com. That's our new website. Check it out. Jevin's Den. Uh, we've got a great website up there. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, just uh, shoot us a message on Twitter or Facebook. We'll be glad to set up with you a time to, to do that. And, or you can email us. But either which way, uh, if you'd like to be a part of the website, simply through business, what have you, we would love to, to have that. So, uh, you know, thank you, Adam Jevedin. Uh, he is uh, uh, on our website as well, Jevy's Den, uh, breaking down college football for us in the brawl up north. And, uh, man, don't get me back started on that again. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at Inside.com, talking with us a little bit about that loss of the Philadelphia Eagles, but, I mean, that loss of the Philadelphia Phillies and the win of the Eagles and hanging out in the locker room with the players and watching the, the end of that, that Phillies game was a great story. Uh, Steve Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, breaking down championship weekend. I have officially picked Chase Elliott, although I, I'm rooting. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan fan of Ross Chastain, but the intelligent part of my brain says it's going to be Chase Elliott. Uh, so we'll see who, who's your pick. We'd like to hear it, you know, and you can tweet us on, on that as well. My name is Tom Marquis. El Presidente.
Stick around. It's always good. Make sure you check us out on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hit subscribe so we know how awesome you are. We know how awesome we are. And follow us on Twitter at T-Balance and on Facebook. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. Hey!